We're going to begin today a new sermon series around that idea of what it means to follow. And we've said over the recent weeks that we've distinguished that there's definitely a difference between believing in Jesus and following Jesus. Um, And so we want to talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I know there's many people who might say that they believe Jesus, but the question I think that we all need to wrestle with is do we actually follow Jesus? Do we actually live out what the Bible says? Do we do what he's, he's called us to do, what he's created us to do? And so with that in mind, we're going to be in Acts chapter 20 today. If you want to go ahead and go there, Acts chapter 20. And I wanted to start off just by sharing something. There, there's something that I struggle with. There's, there's something I, I'm just, I wish I was better at this. I really wish I was better at this. But just the honest truth is, I'm just, I'm not. I'm not as good at this as I would like to be. And maybe uh, there's a couple of you, actually I know there are several of you in here who are pretty good at these things, but maybe there's a couple of you in here who can commiserate with me um, this morning and identify with what I'm about to say. Uh, I wish I was better at staying connected in some past relationships maybe that I had. People that I've met along the way, um, you know, friends that I've made, acquaintances that I've made, stuff. But, but I'll just admit, I'm, not, I'm nowhere near as good as that as I wish I was. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm probably just not real good at it at all. And the truth is, for most of them, if the people who are in my past don't at least initiate some sort of a, of a conversation or some sort of direction, I'm horrible at reaching back and making connections uh, with, with people in, in my past, and good people, friends, people I like. I'm not even talking about the ones I don't want to connect with. We all have those, right? I'm talking about the ones I wish I stayed connected with, the ones I, I wish I still had close relationships with. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm not as good at that as I wish I was. And I know that because of that, I miss out. I miss out on those connections. I miss out on those friendships. I miss out on the opportunities just to to stay encouraged and connected with other people. But not to make an excuse, but let's just be honest, it's hard, isn't it? Because life kind of brings you to a different place, maybe points you in a different direction. Sometimes, as much as you would want to, it's absolutely impossible to keep some of those connections. And, and then, you know, you just kind of get focused where you are, doing the things that you're doing at the time. And, you know, you hear that other side of the point, you need to be focused on where you are. You need to, you know, be in the moment, not just be all over the place. So I'm good at that one. I can, I can say that. But the reaching back and staying connected, I know I miss out on some of that. And then I always come up with this excuse. And maybe you've made this excuse. You probably are going to be able to fill in this blank without even me having to say it. If there were only more time, right? If there were only more time. Maybe if I just had more time, I could get all the stuff done that I'm supposed to get done and then keep connected in all these relationships and, you know, then do all these other things I would like to do. If there were just more time. If there were more time, I would stay connected with more things. Or maybe if there were more time, maybe I could read my Bible more and maybe get more connected with God. If there were, if there were just more time. But as it is, man, it just seems like there's never enough time. You've probably said those words. I've said those words a lot. And so with that in mind, I want us to catch up with where we are in the story, Acts chapter 20. It starts off, verse 1, saying this, after the uproar was over. Now, if you don't know what the uproar was, uh, what had just happened, the, the, the preaching and the following in Ephesus where Paul was, that they had uh, told the people that the, the preaching and the following of, of God led these people to, to understand that, well, if I'm going to follow God, then 
these little shrines and these things that I make to the temple and we sell those and we make money, then they're not going to sell anymore. And so they started this riot, ran Paul out of town because they didn't like what he was having to say because they realized, well, if we actually follow what this man's talking about, then it's going to change our lives. And so sometimes people will defend even their just greatest dysfunction or even being wrong, they'll just defend it because they're at least comfortable with it. And so this is kind of what had happened already. There was this huge uproar, which actually led to nothing. It was just a lot of screaming and throwing dirt in the air. And then about two hours later, they went, well, let's go home. Okay. So it says, after the uproar was over, Paul sent for the disciples. He encouraged them. And after saying farewell, he departed to Macedonia. And when he had passed through those areas and offered them many words of what? Encouragement. That's going to be key. Many words of encouragement, he came to Greece and stayed three months. The Jews plotted against him when he was about to set sail for Syria, so he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus, of Berea, Aristarchus, and Segundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy, Tychius, and Trophimus from the province of Asia. You know, I know Blake and Heather just had a baby, but if they needed names, there's plenty to... To choose from right here if they're just if they're curious about I'm sorry that's free and if you're watching this on video don't worry about that just skip that online all right so it was accompanied by those people from the province of Asia these men went on ahead and waited for us in Troas but we sailed away from Philippi after the festival of unleavened bread in five days we reached them at Troas and there we spent seven days so let me just kind of catch up there's a lot going on and what Paul is basically doing at this time is before he leaves this area, he gathers the disciples together and he wants to stay connected with them. And he speaks words of encouragement over them. And then you see that Paul has these plans to travel and they get changed and then other people are with him. Big picture of what Paul's doing just as a reminder or a refresher or for the first time for some of us. Paul was out spreading the good news of the gospel. He was sharing the word of Jesus Christ. And in Acts 15, we learned that there was some difficulty with this because people who were coming to Christ who were not Jewish, they didn't know how they were necessarily supposed to follow Christ. And so the Jewish council or the council at Jerusalem got together and the church decided that, there was a, that the people who were coming to Christ, who were not from a Jewish descent, did not have to follow the Jewish regulations that were in place and the, and the Jewish customs that were in place. And so Paul was out sharing these things with the people. But one thing that they said before they sent Paul out was they said, go share with the church what we've discovered and don't forget the poor. So everywhere Paul was going, when he would go into these synagogues and he would go into the churches and he would bring people to Christ, he was also taking a collection to bring back to Jerusalem to be distributed for the poor. So when you understand what Paul's doing at this time, you, you probably can figure out he's had collections from each of these places and he's getting ready to head back and distribute some of these things. So Paul's probably got a little bit of cash on him, if you will, at this point in time. And so when you see this thing come up and it says the Jews plotted against him as he was about to set sail for Syria, there's a lot going on with that. We know that everywhere Paul went, he preached to the people. Some people believed, received the word of God, were encouraged and began to follow. And some people stood up against Paul. And some people worked against him and, and came after him. And this is what's happening everywhere. And so Paul has this collection, he has all these things that are going on. There's all kinds of people out for him. And so you see him then in this passage begin to be surrounded by a lot of people. And these people are helping him take these collections and do these things that he's been called to do. Now we're going to come to verse 7, and I'm going to tell you. A couple of weeks ago, 
when we looked at the itinerant Jewish exorcists who got beat within an inch of their life, I giggle at that. It's just funny to me. The Bible's allowed to be funny every once in a while. We're about to read something that makes me laugh every time as well. So we're going to pick it up in verse 7. It says, on the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. Paul spoke to them, and since he was about to depart the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the so get ready. Here we no, I'm just kidding. So there were many lamps in the room upstairs where we were assembled. A young man named Eutychus was sitting on a windowsill and sank into a deep sleep as Paul kept on talking. When he was overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was picked up dead. But Paul went down, bent over him, and embraced him and said, Don't be alarmed because he's still alive. And then after going upstairs and breaking the bread and eating, Paul talked a long time until dawn. Then he left. They brought the boy home alive and were greatly comforted. Now, Luke wrote the book of Acts. Don't you think Paul wanted to say, hey, Luke, did you have to mention three times in a paragraph that I talked a long time? But I think there's a very, a very key spiritual component here that we all need to understand. If you fall asleep during one of my messages, you might die says it right here in Scripture. And I'm just going to tell you, I'll come down and pick you up and pray over you, but I can't guarantee anything on this. No. What we see here is Paul's gathered with the people, and, and what do we know that's going on? Paul is wanting to encourage them. He's wanting to be around them. He's wanting to stay connected. And he feels like he's got so much on his heart that he wants to share, that he's got to get it all in before he leaves on his trip, right? You ever had a moment like that, haven't you? You just stay up all night talking to a friend or a relative you haven't seen. You just, you know, you know you might be a while before you get back together. And so you're just sharing and you're just sharing and you're just encouraging. And man, that's it. That's the picture that we need to see here. And there's a reason that I want you to see that because I think it's a wonderful example of Paul's love for the people that he's come in contact with. He, he's not just on task, if you will. Paul is is caring about each and every place that he's going. He's got so much he wants to share and so much that he wants to do. That's the picture here. And so I want to talk just briefly this morning about if we're going to follow Christ, if that's the choice that we make and we choose to follow Christ, not just believe him, but follow him, then how do we make the most out of this journey of following Christ? How do we look at making the most out of the journey? Well, the first thing I think we need to see or that this passage shows us if we're going to make the most of this journey, we need to understand I was never meant to walk the journey alone. I was never meant to walk the journey alone. If you've been around me a little bit listening to me talk about these things, you've probably said, well, Linda, you've said that about 100 times in the book of Acts. Well, hopefully we're starting to get it then. We're, we're not meant to do this by ourselves. God never intended us to be this way. And I confess that when we look at these passages a lot, we look at Paul's missionary journey and Paul went here and Paul wrote this book and Paul said this. But every time when you look at it, Paul is not by himself. It's always Paul and Silas or Paul and Timothy or Paul and all these guys who maybe the Huffmans will name their child after. I don't know. It's all of these people who are always with Paul. And, and they're always surrounding him. And Paul is never by himself. And so there's something I think we need to understand. We're never meant to walk this journey alone. You look at all the connections, and, and I hope we learn from that. Because I think there are times in our culture and maybe even in our own heart we've bought into this idea that I'm supposed to suck it up and do all this by myself. 
I'm just supposed to, you know, pull up my bootstraps, and if I ask for help, then that's a sign of weakness, or if I try to, I just, I've got to be independent. And that's never the way God designed us to do this. In fact, the journey is about connecting with other people. And that's why it bothers me so much that I'm not as good at it as I wish I was, staying connected with people in the past or other things like that. And I wish there were more time to do those type of things. But what we see from this passage as well is that Paul made time even when there wasn't. He's going to do everything he can to, to pour into these people because we're never meant to walk the journey alone. One of the things that this passage shows us that they were doing is that before, before Paul left on his journey, it says that they were gathered together and they assembled to break the bread. Now, if you'll notice here at the front, we have our, our things out for the Lord's Supper today. And that's something that we're going to do uh, at the end of our service today is we're gathering together today and we're going to break bread. And, and it's a sign to remember of what Jesus Christ has done for us in our life. The, the bread represents the body of Jesus Christ, which was given to us. He's laid down his life. He laid down his body for us, and he was crucified and buried and rose again on the third day so that we could have life. And the juice represents that his blood was spilled out for us. It covers our sin and iniquities and allows us to draw close to God. And so this is what Paul was doing at this time. He didn't just want to gather with the people to hang out with his buds. He and to pursue this call, reason that we're gathering together. There's a reason that we've come together on this journey and to pursue this calling together. It's because we're following Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, God sometimes brings us some incredible connections with people, and that's what happens with Paul. And because they were gathered together, they were encouraging one another. I told you that word was going to be key. He asked the disciples to come together so that he could encourage them. And then he asked these people over here to come together and encourage them. They wanted to gather together to encourage them before we leave. Paul was always looking to encourage people. And here's the reason why. Because encouragement is fuel for the journey, right? Encouragement's fuel for our journey. Let's just have an honest moment. You ever just wanted to quit? Just be done? Over with this? I'm Okay, this journey's enough? Yeah. I, we all have. Again, it's a rhetorical question. I don't even have to ask for an answer because if you're breathing, I guarantee there's been some moment in your life where you just went, I'm done with this. I, that's enough. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to follow this anymore. I don't want to pursue that anymore. I've had it. And so what we need when we face those moments is we need encouragement so we can refuel for the journey. And encouragement was so important to Paul. It was so important to Paul that he walked thousands of miles to give it out. And he spent every possible hour he had sharing it going on and on and on, as Luke pointed out to us. But it was so important to Paul that he pour out and give himself to these other people and share with them this encouragement because he knew that that's going to fuel them up and get them ready for the journey. Can I share with you a pretty amazing thing about encouragement? We all need it. Everybody needs encouragement. Everybody needs encouragement. But do you know how you get encouragement? You give it away. It's an incredible thing about encouragement is that the more that you give it, then the more that you have. You can't get enough of it. But if you give it away, you can't give it away enough. It never runs out. It's a pretty incredible thing. I promise you, if you're in need of encouragement, and maybe you, I, I throw the best pity parties. I should invite you to one sometime. They're, they're awesome. I mean, they're elaborate. They could go on for days at times. I mean, they're wonderful pity parties. I mean, sometimes you just get in that funk, right? And, and you feel like everybody's against you. And every, but it's an amazing thing. I, I've, 
I've never been able to encourage myself out of my own funk. Have you, you ever tried to do that? Because every time I try to hype myself up, there's, there's that one part of me that says, oh, but you got to remember this. And then there's that other part of me that reminds me of the 17 reasons why I can't do that. And the other things where I failed and the other reminders. And so it's a pretty interesting thing about encouragement is, is as much as you would like to try to do that on your own, you, you can't. And so one of the things that we see here is that encouragement being fuel for the journey, then you, you probably need to learn to give that away to other people. And you can't just do that for yourself. So it kind of leads to this thought is that, well, I probably, since I've never been intended to do this journey by myself, I have to go on this journey with other people. And these other people around me are probably looking for encouragement from me and will more than likely give encouragement to me. Now, we don't just give encouragement to receive it. Oh, you look nice today. Oh, you do too. Oh, thanks. Okay, we're check. We're good. That's not how it works. Because sometimes true, listen to me, sometimes true encouragement is a person who will look you in the eye and go, I know you've messed that up, but we're going to get through this. Sometimes that's true encouragement. Sometimes true encouragement is, I know you're hurting, but you can keep going with this. Sometimes that's the type of encouragement. We're not talking about just, just false niceties. And that's why we're never meant to go on this journey alone. Encouragement is the fuel that helps us take this journey. And the more that we give it away, then the more actually that we have. It's a pretty incredible thing. And, and you can't do that yourself. You have to be around other people to give the encouragement. And that's why Paul was saying, I've got to get the disciples together. I've got to spend time with them. I want to pour into these people before I leave. You, you, you realize that's why we gather together at church, right? Can I, I'll just give you a little, a little something, because maybe you've been attending a church or coming to church for a while, and, and perhaps you've uttered this phrase before, that, you know what, I don't really get a whole lot out of that. Maybe, maybe somebody you know, or maybe you've even uttered those words. I'll just give you a little secret. You're here today for someone else, not for you. That's why we gather together, to be an encouragement for one another. And as you pour yourself out encouraging and sharing and lifting one another up, it's an amazing thing that happens. You get filled as well. That's why Paul couldn't wait to be around these people. That's why Paul couldn't wait to gather them together. That's why he stayed up all night long saying, I have got to share this stuff with you before I go. I've got to stay connected. That's what we need to understand, that sometimes we get it all backwards. The times that we feel like we need encouragement the most is the time that you need to give it away the most. If you're struggling today, I'll just tell you, find two or three people to encourage today and tell me if it doesn't make a difference before you go to bed tonight. I promise you it will. And that's what Paul was doing. I cannot leave this place without getting everybody together and me tell them how much I love them, how much I'm behind them, how much I'm praying for them, and how much I believe in them, and how much that I'm going on this journey, but I'm not forgetting you. That's what Paul was doing. I think that's a great example for us. And so encouragement was fuel not only for Paul, but for these other people on the journey. And so there's another thing that we see about making the most of the journey here. It's kind of obvious in this, but I want to spell it out for us this morning, is that the priority, my priority on this journey, should always be people. My priority on this journey of life is always people. It's, it's not stuff. It's not job. It's not accomplishments. It's not retirement. It's not degrees. It's, it's not all those things are good. But my priority in life and where it's all going to matter is what have I done with people? How have I connected with people? How have I encouraged people? That's where it all comes down to. You can have incredibly 
successful, lonely people, right? Because they've spent all their life pursuing these things that don't honestly really bring about the connection and the encouragement that people will. Are people goofy? Yeah. Do they get on our nerves sometimes? Uh Uh-huh. Are they difficult at times? I am. But they're absolutely the point of the whole thing. Our priority should always be people. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, that's what this is about. So think about this for just a minute. Don't answer out loud. So I just want to kind of set this up in your mind. If somebody were to come to you and say, well, what's the whole point of this being a Christian thing? What's the whole point of this? Just think about what would your response be? And I want to share with you something that, that you know, it's, it was shared with me growing up, or maybe it was just repeated so much that it was one of those things that kind of sunk in. And it's all true, but I think it's a little bit off of what the genuine mark is. You see, sometimes I would explain it like this. If people say, well, what's the point of being a Christian? I would say, well, you know, that Jesus Christ died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again, and he did all that as a sacrifice to, to pay the penalty for my sins. And when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, he forgives me of my sins, and one day when I die, I get to go to heaven and be with him. Now, all of that is correct, but boy, we leave out a lot. Because it's like, well, Jesus died and I give my life to him and then one day I die and go to heaven. It's like, well, yeah, but what about the however many years God gives you between then? Can can I just tell you something? Jesus Christ came so that we can live, not so that we can die and go to heaven. And I think sometimes that's where we get it off in our head. Jesus Christ came so that we could have life, not so that when we die, our soul goes to heaven. And so I want to say it this way. The goal of a follower, a follower of Jesus Christ, the goal of a follower is not heaven. It's love. The goal of a follower of Jesus Christ is not heaven. It's love. If you've, if any of you who maybe have read this far in the book, and I'm not trying to embarrass anyone, but at the end of this book, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus at the end of the book? Is he in heaven? Is heaven, new heaven and new earth, is he there? If we follow him, you think we'll get there? So we shouldn't really worry about the destination as much as the journey. The goal is not heaven. If we follow Jesus, we'll get there because that's where he is. And, that, and that's where we'll get. So there's got to be more to this following Jesus than just one day I'll die and go to heaven. And there is. The point of following Jesus is so that you can have life and have it more abundantly. And the goal for us as a follower is love. Now, I'm following Jesus. I know I'm going to end up in heaven. So everything I said was true. But on the way, I don't want to miss the journey. I want to experience life to its fullness. And we have a lot of promises from God's scripture that help us with that. One of them is Matthew 6.33. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all the things that I worry about, food and clothing and friends and connection and everything, All these things will be added to you as well. The the gift that God gives us is life. He says, if you'll stop the pursuit of following all these things that are not me, and if you will pursue me, then not only will you gain me and gain life, then I'll take care of all these other things as well. That's why I want to follow Jesus, not so that I can die one day and go to heaven. I want to follow him so that I experience life in its fullness 
and that he takes care of everything else. And then I enjoy the journey. And my goal for all these things is I get the opportunity to love one another. And I'll just go ahead and say it this way. When we just narrow it down sometimes and we say, well, the whole point is heaven, that's actually a pretty selfish goal. It's a pretty self-centered goal when we think that the whole point of what Jesus did was so that I could go to heaven. No, the whole point of what he did was for his glory. And we are the beneficiaries of a loving and graceful God that invites us to experience true life by following him. And because of that, then one day we do get to go and end up in heaven. But man, the journey is awesome if you will follow him. It is an incredible ride as we encourage one another and gain encouragement. As we love one another, even the unlovable ones. Thank you that somebody loved an unlovable one like me along the way. And we love along the way and we gain connections along the way. And this is what Paul realized. He's not just on a missionary journey. He's connecting with people. Every one of the letters he wrote was not written to a building. It was written to people that he loved and that he cared about and that he connected with. And we're the beneficiaries of being able to read these things today. Because that's the whole point. My priority should be people. And you can love people fully only when you're following Christ. Because people can't, I, I can't fill the needs and the goals and the desires of your heart like God can. And so that's what Paul's trying to encourage people with. And so I just want to encourage us with that. Paul couldn't wait to be around people because he realized that even though he's going on these journeys, the point is the people. And the point is to be able to love them. And so I want to close with this, with this statement. Um, it's not even a challenge. It's just a statement of truth. And, and, and here's, here's the statement. So you need, you need to remember this. I make time for what's most important. It's not I should make time or I can make time. Let me just tell you what we all do. We all already do this. I make time for what's most important. So Paul gathered the disciples together, knowing that he was leaving on a long journey tomorrow. He stayed up all night long, continuing to love on them, continuing to teach them, continuing to talk to them, because he made time for what was most important, and that was the people that he was connecting with and the people that he was pouring into. And again, it's a statement, not even a challenge. I make time for what's most important. When you look at the time that you spend in your life, you tell me what's most important. I have to do that for myself at times. I look and go, is that really the most important? Because it's what my time says is most important. Paul says the most important thing was people because he made time for them. He walked thousands of miles for them. He poured himself out for them. And he followed the example of the Savior who had done the same thing. And they gathered together and they broke the bread together. And that was the reminder that Jesus Christ had come. He gave up heaven and the riches of heaven and he came down to earth and he lived a perfect and sinless life as a man who walked on this earth so that we could see that God truly loves us. And then he laid down that life for us. And he said, every time that you take the bread and you drink the wine, that you do that in remembrance of me. And so Paul and the disciples were encouraged by that. And I hope that we're going to be encouraged by that this morning.